now tuned in to the cold hard truth Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea. Piping hot, so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via WhatsApp at 324-1612. Email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com. Now, here's your host, Sandy Hill, broadcasting live from the beautiful Cayman Islands. Good morning, everybody. TGIF. It is Friday. Yay. Did we have a holiday weekend? Yes, we had a holiday weekend last weekend. That's why it seems like this was a short week, because it legit was a short week. Um, I'm just waiting on uh, Blake and Aaron. Uh, then we're going to bring them into the studio. Um, I think I'll pull them in and then I'll wait for their cue. I'll mute them, but uh, we can kind of hear what's going on. Good morning. They are still playing their song. So um, just let me hear. Little R. Kelly ignition. Mia, I can't, I cannot unsee the and unhear the Dave Chappelle R. Kelly song. 
Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, you I just fixed. showed me that. I cannot believe you've never seen not, that before. I have not seen that before. Everyone, The Chappelle Show <laughs> is on Netflix now. There's no excuse for you to not go back and rewatch that entire thing. I will now uh, oh. sing that in my head when I hear that R. Kelly song. Yep. Big uh, news. I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Aaron's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. Good morning, Sandy. Morning. Hello. Good morning. Dare I ask you if you're an R. Kelly fan? Oh, God. No. Hey, she's not going to. Um, his music, but of him, no. That is the general consensus. Yeah. yeah. And to be honest. When not even kinda, all of his music, though. That's the problem. Just a couple. <laughs> yeah, because when you really understand the man, the music kind of has a very different meaning altogether. Like, you don't yeah. even want to listen to it. What was that, like, 40-hour oh. 40, 40 song where he was, like, in a closet staring uh, at people, staring at his girlfriend with another man or something? I, I don't remember that one. It was... Yeah, he's he's got some yeah. issues. Let's do you... Do you like old school music? Do you have a favorite we can throw on for you coming up this morning? Mm, oh gosh, we're talking like uh, you know, old school like eighties, nineties type music. That's uh, every Friday here on the show. Um, oh my gosh, that's a tough one because of course I, I grew up in the eighties and nineties, so all the music was awesome, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I have um, some, I have some unacceptable news that I want to share with you this morning. Oh, you're bringing me the tea. <laughs> yeah. Some unacceptable news, and I thought I would bring it up. Um, so Victoria's Secret has decided to get rid of their angels. Why is that unacceptable? They should have done that a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Why, why did they make this decision? Do we have any idea why? They've gotten rid of its world-famous angel supermodels. Instead, the brand has launched a campaign with high-profile women known for their accomplishments. Okay. Um, so soccer star Megan Rapinoe, freestyle skier Eileen Gu, um, also actress Piranka Chopra. Okay. Jonas, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and people like that. I think Stronger. it's a better idea. I, I mean, what's the problem? It, it has nothing to do with strong women. It has, to do with, it has to do with real women and the way real women look because real women do not look like Victoria's Secret they are real women, though. Lingerie models. They are. Yeah. Well, um, they, they don't represent. Yeah, I agree with with Aaron on this one. They don't represent everybody in the population. Mm-hmm. And I think with all of the stuff that we've been going through with the hashtag Me Too and whatever, probably um, having a brand that just focuses on the sexuality aspect only um, of you know your customers is probably no longer like the best marketing approach. They're trying to redefine sexy. As yes. Do. And I think that's good. Because yeah, it is super good. skinny is not everyone. And what? also like, I, I got to say, like I do like Victoria's Secret bras, mm-hmm. but it is, it, it's a little disheartening to buy from them after when you see what they promote and the people that they promote as only mm-hmm. being this kind of person. And so I, I, I'm glad I open. I am w- welcoming this decision to open up. Didn't they get rid of their Victoria's Secret model show like a, a year ago? They just t- stopped doing that. That was COVID. <laughs> I think, yeah, I think that was just and, COVID. And also they got canceled a little bit. They were, they almost went bankrupt. They didn't yeah. go through a bunch of stuff because they were quite problematic. 
Yeah. That is my uh, word today. <laughs> what's the word? I missed it. Same problematic. Sandy. Three times now. <laughs> Sandy, what's the tea on a Friday? Um, well, we're going to talk about a couple of things. We're starting off um, with this idea that when you end up on CMR, so you screw up, you steal a phone, you do whatever. Um, what, what becomes of you? <laughs> what becomes of your story? Um, so we're going to explain the process because I think it is important every once in a while to remind people that we're not mainstream media. We don't try to be. And so I think it's good that everybody understands the rules and, and how it works. So we're going right. to do that. What does um, generally happen? Well, the story goes up when we have proof like a CCTV camera, it's never coming down. That's the bottom line. <laughs> so, um, you know, we uh, give special consideration to obviously children and uh, minors and that sort of thing. But generally speaking, we can't, um, like some people have all sorts of excuses. Oh, I was drunk. I was this. I'm like, well, when we start uh, trying to be very arbitrary about it, it just doesn't work because I'm sure everyone could potentially come up with a reason why they have should have their story come down. So we kind of have a very fast and hard rule about it. And at least, you know, my opinion, once you know what the rules are, then, hey, you know what the rules are. Um, so, yes. So we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about um, sometimes how we get information through unofficial sources because someone has brought to our attention that they were kind of upset about something that we published. And they're like, why didn't you just FOI it? I said, wow, that's easy to do. Have you ever FOI'd something? I heard that's really complicated and it can take months and months and months and months. Yeah, I can. They, um, they yeah, can to, be, to be honest, I have hardly ever FOI'd something. I know people think that that's crazy. Uh, most of the time, I just don't need to because my sources just give me stuff. <laughs> and so that's not necessary. But, um, you know, the civil servants have become very savvy in how to avoid giving you what you want through FOI in any event. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like, you know, and then the gov the last government watered it down a bit as well. So it's a bit of a waste of time in a lot of instances to put in an FOI request. Sadly. Yeah. I mean, you have your you have your feelers out there with uh, yes. well, people, yeah. people just want to give you information. I know that. So they if you do. Want to know the process of how CMR works. Yes. That's, that's what's going on today on the show. Yep. Awesome. And in breaking, breaking news, uh, an exclusive here. So your audience okay. first. You know, yesterday morning, I don't think I mentioned it on your show because we got the messages, like I saw the messages afterwards, but about six o'clock in the morning, there was some sort of operation in West Bay in the Logwood area. Helicopter hmm. was up, all the police really? presence and whatever. Yes. For Sorry? Were they meeting for breakfast? No, <laughs> they had more important business. It appears, and this is my sources on the street, telling me that the police have made an arrest and a murder in a 2019 murder. So what? That's yeah. kind of big news. So we're wow. waiting. Um, yes, we have more information, but we're kind of going to kind of wait until we see what happens. So supposedly this person will be making a court appearance today, which normally means that they're ready to charge them, which is interesting. Do we hmm. know what the, the murder was from back yes. in 2019? Okay. Yes, it was, it was a young man that was um, killed. Oh. Down in the West Bay area, off of Daisy Lane. Wow! So yeah. some new evidence came to light. Is that? Uh, um, I think what happened is um, my sources have said that when they initially arrested someone, the magistrate wouldn't allow them to hold a person because they said you don't have enough. 
So maybe all this time they have been working the case and, um, you know, it's kind of interesting though that forensic vehicles would have been there yesterday. I'm like, what evidence would they be digging up yesterday kind of thing, but who knows? Right. Maybe someone told them this is where you find the murder weapon. Like you never know. Right. Um, and you know, the police, like, you know, I give them their, their, um, their props in terms of a lot of times they do need people, um, good people who don't want to see, you know, this become just a horrible place to live to come forward and assist them in their investigations. And so sometimes it takes time to work those lines of inquiry and to really work on people to say, you know, assist the police um, with this and then eventually they come forward. So we'll see. Wow. Yeah. That's, that is pretty big news. Yeah, I'm sure you'll have more for that, us on Monday. That when doesn't we're happen. Back. No. Doesn't happen every sure. day. Exactly. Yeah. So. All right. All right, so. Sandy. Have a great weekend. Thank you, guys. What have you got going on this weekend? Any events? Um, Father's Day. Father's, Father's Day. Weekend. Day. So okay. you know, just just some family time. Yeah. Awesome. Family stuff. What are you guys doing? I know your your hubby's a, a dad, so you guys. Yes. Have uh, so we'll probably just do like a little lunch or something. He's not fussy. Um, so it's, it's really easy to please him on, on days like Father's Day. <laughs> so, yeah. Awesome. I know. Well, enjoy so, you on Monday. Yes. And we'll get Sorry. A, did, you, did you come up with an old school track? You want to play oh, something? um, you know what? I don't know if this falls into your genre, but remember that song, pour some sugar on me. Who was that by? Jeff Jeff Leppard. Leppard. <laughs> That's probably yeah. not a kiss 106.1 song, but. Yeah, we can play that. <laughs> what? We can play that a little okay. some sugar on me. Yeah. Thank I love it. Yeah. I don't know why that popped into my head today, but there you go. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> All right. We'll see hey, you on Monday. I had a very varied uh, musical, you know, <laughs> a good repertoire back in the day. So you're a rock and roller. All right. A little bit. Okay. <laughs> All right. See you. Finding All out right, some guys. That's true. I uh, know. Have a good one. You too. Bye. We'll see you. Yeah, that song just popped into my head this morning. Pour some sugar. Remember that? Yeah, Def Leppard. Um, old school, old school. Marshall, good morning. Good morning, Irvlin. Good morning, Olivia. Hello, David. How are you from London? Oh, it's cloudy today. Um, here it looks a little bit cloudy too. You know, I think we're going to get some rain. Um, Morna, good morning to you, my lovely. Derek is here. Uh, joining us from Jamaica, the beautiful jam rock. Good morning, Vicky. Hey, Kizzy. What's going on? Thank you so much. Still trying to rock my little curls. As the days go by, they loosen up and it becomes a little bit more frizzy. So I don't know how many more days this is going to last. But anyway, um, we'll see how that goes. Miss Ethel is joining us from the UK. Good morning. Hello, Marva. I'm officially missing home now. Where are you? Where are you? I thought you were here. Hey, Tommy. How you doing? Yes, TGIF. Happy weekend. Happy Father's Day, folks. Alice is here. Jade is here. Uh, is that Thirsty? Is that how you pronounce your name? Good morning. Um, oh, Ethel was talking about R. Kelly's song, Trapped in the Closet. Well, he's... Trapped in a lot of closets, apparently, because he's got a lot of issues he needs to deal with. Um, oh, Jade is liking the hairstyle. Yeah, the curls have loosened up and they're kind of, you know, I put a little bit of the um, curling coconut cream in it and we were ready to rock and roll, Jade. Um, yes, I, I love I love our segments in the morning with Blake and Aaron. Lots of fun. 
uh, Kiss 106.1 is back uh, in full swing with their morning show. Uh, Jade says, once it goes up, it must not come down. What were we referring to? Was that the name of the song? Big hard back adults do something and they want to be removed. Yes, we're going to talk about that here in a second. Um, we're going to talk about the West Bay situation and kind of what the streets are saying about that. I'm just having a quick check of messages to see if we have anything kind of pressing that has come in. All right. Nothing yet. Nothing yet. Um, so yeah, so we're going to, we're going to kick off the show this morning about people's expectations. Um, when they read CMR. It's so funny that when it hits close to home, that's when people always have an issue with it. Mm, I understand. I understand how people think. CE Banks, Wagwan, Wagwan. Happy Friday. Anne Marie is here. Shannon is here. Says, love that rocket song. Love that song, Rocket Sandy. Yes, that's like a classic. Um, Atlas, good morning. There was another one too. There's a lot of one hit wonders like in the eighties and nineties that were legit really, really good. Um, I mean, that band wasn't, I don't think a one hit wonder, but I really loved that song. Uh, there was another one that I used to sing all the time in the shower. Cause I'm actually a horrible, like I have no vocal skills really in terms of singing, but I always find that when you're in the shower, there's something about the acoustics of the shower that makes you think you can sing. Like legit, everybody sounds good in the shower, no matter how bad you actually sound. Um, but then again, I used to have these two dogs, Oscar and Rupert. They didn't quite agree with me because every time I would start singing, they would start howling. Those dogs were so cheeky. Like they were like, oh, this is the most horrible. Oh, I'm like, what are you trying to say about my singing dogs? Judy, good morning. Yes, happy Father's Day to everybody. Felicia's here. Tracy's here. Tracy, um, I did not know that you were undergoing treatment until recently. I've been seeing some of your Facebook posts, so you are definitely um, in our thoughts and prayers. And um, maybe one day soon you can kind of share a little bit about what's been going on. Uh, Sue, Good morning, Cecil is here. Good morning, my love. These Chinese, is it Chinese or Japanese writing that you've used here? I think it's Chinese. No, does Japanese is the one that goes down and Chinese goes across? I don't know. Uh, yet another way, great way to kick off the weekend. Curly Sue, hashtag Melita's here. Jackie, two feet and heartbeat. Happy Friday. Um, thank you. Yes. Oh, thank you. Speaking of wardrobe, um, I actually, uh, this one, a friend went to overseas for medical stuff and she bought me a couple new tops um, some months ago. But yesterday I've been waiting on this. Um, it's Japanese. Thank you. <laughs> I've been waiting on um, this package from early June. It took a couple weeks. Uh, normally it's pretty quick, but customs, whatever. So it took a couple weeks to get here. And I have been like taking out all the outfits, trying them on. Um, you know, when you ask other people to shop for you, sometimes it's really challenging, but these are cousins in Tampa. And um, our cousin's wife, Maria, did a fantastic job. Like I kind of gave her some guidance, especially with sizes. And I must say there's a few that I need to put in the pile of girl, get your behind on that treadmill in a hurry. So that's a pile. 
Um, but there's not that many in that pile. So anything that she bought me that had a little bit of stretch into it, I can get into it. But that other pile will be my uh, goal of actually starting to work out and losing, you know, closer to 25 pounds. And then I'll be able to fit in all of the stuff that she sent me. Um, so I'm going to spend some time this weekend actually trying to clear out my closet and I'm going to pull out some pieces. So if you know of anyone who's in need of clothing and they're more or less my size, so I'm like a large to an XL, depending on the cut and the make. So um, I'm not really bottom heavy. Now I know y'all got that to dunk a dunk a thing and going on the trunk. I'm not really that person. Um, but of course, like everybody carrying a little bit too much in the midsection. So I would say large on the bottom. Um, and then because of the extra boobage on the top, um, most of the time I do wear extra large tops just to give me like enough room. So these are not in your face. Um, so yes, I'll be cleaning up my closet and you know, some stuff I've had forever, but to be honest, it still is in fabulous condition. It looks good. Um, one of the one of the things that I always do with my clothes for years, at least ten years plus, is um, I don't iron my clothes. I steam my clothes, and what that does is that allows the material to stay in fabulous condition for years and years and years and years. Like legit, I put on something from I bought it ten years ago, and people are like, "Oh, did you just buy that?" And I'm like. No, uh, because, you know, the steam isn't like the hot iron directly in the fabric. It really helps to protect the fabric. Uh, yeah, I learned that little thing when I was um, I was in university, actually working in retail. And I'm thinking, why do they steam all their clothes? Why don't they just iron it? And it occurred to me that a lot of that has to do with um, just protecting the fabric. And trust me, steaming removes the wrinkles just as good. So um, quite honestly, I think it's actually faster and easier as well. But whenever I introduce my steaming to like, a, if I get a new helper, they're always like, look at me sideways, like, oh, okay, I don't know about this. But then not long after that, they're like, wow, this is great. I wish everybody had a steamer. And so get yourself a good professional steamer because I bought one like at Display Unlimited Miami years ago. And honey child, that thing is still clicky clacking, still works perfectly fine. Um, no issues whatsoever. Fill up the water, plug it in, and you are good to go. I think the only things we may use a traditional iron on is like sometimes with men's pants, you want a crease in it. But do people really even crease those anymore? Um, so yeah, we have an iron, but it hardly ever gets used. Um, so that's that. Hey, Senor Alric is joining us this morning. Uh, he's been a little bit under the weather. Let's say good morning to Alric. Good morning, Alric. Good morning, CMR and Kiman. How are you? And little, little Kiman and Kiman Rock. That's right. Don't forget the sister islands. Um, how are you doing? I know you were a little bit under the weather. Yeah, a little better. I just need to start taking a course of vitamins, you know, try to keep up with CMR. Hey, you better do that. I just heard the most dreaded sound in the world. A woodpecker. Like legit, I just heard him drilling into my house. Um, can someone please tell that woodpecker I'm going to kick his, 
okay. Y'all see where I'm going with this. You sure it's not the feds? <laughs> Listen, I don't know if that's the same woodpecker, but we have a woodpecker that used to come here and harass us when we first moved in. He was putting holes everywhere. And we did everything to get rid of him and he just wasn't leaving. Eventually, he kind of gave us a little bit of a break. But you know what? They get fixated on building a nest in your house. Here, here. Alec, I'm going to let you take over the show for a few minutes. Fill people in on your birthday celebrations and what you've been doing for the last week. While I go out there and throw a rock at this woodpecker, I will be right back. You you take it over, Alec. <laughs> wow. Well, um, what's been happening over the last couple of days, uh, as we can see, we have the opposition coming out, you know, making certain statements and we have the new government coming back, you know, trying to react to those statements. Uh, it's a very interesting um, period of politics. I think we're going to find in Cayman. Um, obviously, the PR game, the marketing game of the opposition is, is kind of up there now. You know, they are making themselves known and appearing to highlight the issues and and put forward their ideas. So it's going to be interesting to see how the public reacts to the politics that are being played right now. You know, who, who will the people of Cayman think are suggesting what are the right ways for us to move forward? You know, it, it's interesting because I would have thought that the priority of the government would have been to make sure that everyone is kept informed and everyone knows all of the government's plans. Um, I, I know you had some people on your show the other day, Sandy. I, I, did, I didn't watch that show, but I mean, the PR game, you know, using CMR as a number one news source. I mean, the PR game is going to be so important going forward in terms of public perception. And right now, whether you like it or not, the opposition is out there and they're out there before the, the new mm. government in some cases. So whether or not what they're saying is true, the thing is people always talk about who comes to the market first. Mm -hmm. And what I was saying earlier when you were away was that it seems like the opposition is coming out with news first, ideas first, and then the new government is, seems to be reacting to what the opposition is saying. And so that's very dangerous because we, we, we see things like, I saw, I saw a Loop article this morning uh, referring to Alric, uh, Alric, Alric, you don't come on CMR and be mentioning Loop on the radio. Hello, hello. Yeah, it's well. <laughs> my, my my apologies. Yes, uh, th this time you'll be forgiven, but remember it for next time. Well, but we're well, we're we're definitely gonna get into that because Alric, this is um this is why I really enjoy having you on the program because I think that these are um some important points, but we're not we're not quite ready for that conversation yet. Um, so stick a pin there. We're going to come back to it. Uh, C. Banks is giving a shout out to Alwick. Melita says, good morning, Alwick. 
Alex just jumps right into the politics. He's like, I don't have any time for small talk or anything else, but we're doing a little bit of small talk first. Um, so I ran off the woodpecker. He was actually on top of the roof, just in case any of you were wondering. I said, get out of here. He was like, this one's crazy. Let me keep moving. I'll go to the next house. Um, so listen, a couple quick things, Alric um, and everybody else. So I want to talk about, and I'm glad Alec is here because he's done an FOI uh, that has been the subject of um, a review by the Ombudsman's Office. So two quick things. Um, it's important for people to understand how CMR works. And I know every once in a while I have to refresh your memories in terms of how things work and how we do things here on this program and on the platform in general. So no, we're not mainstream media. Um, in the sense that um, we even like try or pretend to be anybody else. So we're not Loop, we're not the Compass, we're not CNS. We are CMR and we are different. We are Caribbean news. We got a little bit of flavor in us. You know, we're like news with a little bit of that hot pepper and scotch bonnet mixed in. Okay, so it is what it is. Um, but I think it's important for people to understand how the platform works. So a couple of days ago, we put up a story about a young man who had uh, allegedly stolen a phone. So the evidence was there in terms of the actual CCTV footage. So Alric, I'm just gonna pull you out of the studio for one quick second. So here is this young man um, and he is being accused to have taken a phone, caught in CCTV camera and not returning the phone. So this is the really bizarre thing about it, right? He was actually um, caught on camera and people recognized him. Now, somebody really knew this guy because when I look at this photo, which is on social media versus this one, I guess the nose is the same. You can't really see the tattoos there, but someone knew exactly who he was and they were like, listen, this dude stole this camera. So let's watch the footage real quick and refresh your memories in case you missed the story. And so the business owners, um, people there sent this to us and they said, listen, CMR, this went missing over a week ago. We've asked the police for assistance. They can't locate him, but we know CMR can. And so have a look.
All right, folks. So this went down at Top Taste Restaurant. Now, a lot of you may not know this. This is going to be a little um, teachable moment here. But Top Taste Restaurant um, was actually started by my father. That's my father's building, and that's my father's restaurant. Obviously, um, he is no longer alive. So um, Miss Mabel, his wife, had taken it over, and I think she has it rented out or whatever um, to tenants. So, yes, Top Taste has a little bit of a special place in my heart um, because that's the name and the restaurant that my father started um, many, many years ago. So we got this video and I thought, oh my gosh, like, are you serious? Um, so, you know, someone, this young man decides to go into this business, sees a phone there on the counter. It's the business phone. Somebody must have like maybe ran in for making a delivery, put the phone down or whatever. You see him like, I don't know if he was thinking about it because he didn't pick it up right away. He kind of left it there. And then two twos after he gets his food, he decides that he's going to walk out with the phone. Hmm. Okay. That's bad enough because, you know, once you're a thief, I think, I think there's something inherently different with thieves. Like they don't think to do the right thing because you know how many times somebody has dropped a phone, dropped money. And I grab it up right away. I'm like, Hey, this is your phone. Like I've been at events like taste of Cayman. There was a young lady, an Indian young lady. She like dropped her phone on the ground or she walked away. I think she was ordering food and then she walked away and left it there. And I was like, maybe not right after her, but the next person. And I think the other person didn't even see the phone. And I saw it and I was like, hey, that lady was right here. I'm chasing after her to give her a phone back. That's what an honest person does. You do not pick up a phone and slip it in your bag or your pocket and whatever. Every time they do it without fail, they always want to claim that it was a mistake. Um, I see Alric having a little smile at this concept. Alric, I'm going to bring you back in. What do you do, Alric, when you find somebody else's phone? Legit, what do you do? Uh, first, I go through it. Cause <laughs> I... <laughs> well, how would you know who's, who the phone is for? Because, you know, not everybody has their profile picture on their on their screen. That's a, like a screensaver. So okay, how would you know who the phone is for? So if it's unlocked, you try to go through it and see who it's for. I mean, I would just send it to CMR and be like, listen, I found this phone at this location. This is what it looks like. Take a photo of it. And somebody's going to be able to identify it and then unlock the phone. Because you can't trust everybody who comes forward and be like, oh, yeah, that's my phone. I'm like, mm, you better know how to unlock this phone. Well, so, what if CMR finds some compromising pictures? <laughs> <laughs> We, we're not, we're not going to get into that story this morning. All right. <laughs> but listen, this young man decides to pick up the phone. Here's the icing on the cake. They identify who he is, that he's from Nicaragua, from Bluefields, the whole works. They message him. So they get a number and they message him on WhatsApp and they say, um, hello, you took her phone. Can you return it? So now you're caught pretty red handed. And he says, uh, we got the photos here. So give me one second. He says here in this conversation, somebody says, yo, I need my phone, bro. Where should I pick up my phone? He actually at some point responds and says, oh, yeah, I'll get you back your phone. So these are like the WhatsApp messages and stuff. I know it's kind of hard to see those. Um, they're messages that are sent. Mm -hmm. 
He claims he's going to bring the phone back. That was June the 11th. This story went up on the 16th and they still don't have a phone back almost a week later. Mm. Ironically, once the story went up on CMR, they could get their phone back in two twos. Not only could they get their phone back in two twos, but then he's contacting us saying, oh, okay, they have the phone back. Can you take it down? So here is the general policy. The answer will be, sir, no. Okay. When you get yourself in a pickle and you prove yourself to be dishonest, stealing a phone, stealing somebody's handbag, stealing money, and you just didn't know that the CCTV camera was going to be watching you the whole time. Now you're the talk of the town and everybody from Nicaragua is like, this dude is an embarrassment. We don't want him here. Blah, blah, blah. Almost 8,000 people read the story on the website alone. Right? That's a lot of reads from probably all over the world. And um, now you have been marked as a dishonest person. If your employer who has your work permit wanted to save themselves future headache, they would probably cancel your work permit too if they were sensible. That's life and it's called consequences. Your actions have consequences. So young man, our policy is it's not gonna be taken down. Uh, we don't even feel sorry for you to be quite frank and honest. In the moment that your honesty was being tested, you needed to do the right thing. And you had not even, not only that moment to do the right thing, but you had time later on when you were contacted and they said, can you please return the phone? And you still didn't. So don't make any ridiculous requests to CMR about taking it down. Teresa says why he didn't just pick the phone up and give it to the person on the other side of the counter. Exactly. Dishonesty at your core. Uh, Marshall says this was clearly not a mistake. He meant to steal that phone from the video footage. So yesterday, apparently he posted up on his own social media page that it was a mistake. He comes with this whole song and dance. Let me see what he posted. I'll tell you guys because it was a bit humorous. Um, but the short of it is he posted this whole song and dance. He says, um, I know everyone's surprised with that news. Are they really surprised? Because some of y'all don't be surprising me. Um... Hold on, I'm going to pull this up on the screen so you guys can see it. Give me one second. By the way, you know, the other day we did a story on the Cayman AIDS Foundation and Noel. Well, we've been getting some very interesting addendums to that story that um, allege that he is just not the most honest person in the world, which, wow, no bueno. Um, one second. So here's the thing. I know everyone is surprised with that news and I know a lot have things to say, but it worsening wasn't steal. Um, I steal, clearly English is not the first language here. I steal it. I make mistake with the phone thinking was mine because the phone was just like mine and same case. I didn't remember say I leave my phone in my car but the phone given back and everything is okay. Thank God, really. Why y'all like to be calling up God in, in all your foolishness? Was just a little mistake. The post still up, but soon it will be removed. No, sir. No, sir. No, sir. It will not be removed. Um, nobody in their right senses believes that uh, this was a mistake. 
This was you um, being dishonest. This was you stealing a phone. Um, not to say that that sort of a mistake couldn't happen, but the second you get back to the car and you realize that isn't your phone, you return it promptly. You shouldn't even have to be asked about returning the phone. So that's not what went down and nobody now believes this cockamamie story that you're coming with. No, no, and no. So the bottom line is when you do foolishness like this and you end up on CMR folks, or you're out in public with a video, remember the video the other day with the guy simulating um, chomp, 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 chomp on the girlfriend? Uh, will that be removed? Son, you did it in public. Were you really concerned when you're doing it on a boat and people videotaping you? Were you concerned that this would end up on social media? Clearly not. Now, let me talk about another story. There's another video that was going viral last week and the person contacted me about it. They said, Sandy, um, here's what's going down. If you haven't gotten this video yet, you're probably gonna get it. And sure enough, within a couple hours of that phone call, I got the video. This wasn't just simulating sex. This was actually a sexual act. So no, we cannot share those types of videos um, on our social media platform for obvious reasons. Nobody wants to be looking at your little willy. And um, on top of that, we do appreciate that we have children who actually uh, view our platform and so forth. So there is a cutoff point. Um, you know, these were two consenting adults and there was some story about how the video got out. The girlfriend was trying to do one thing and she accidentally pressed the wrong button on the phone. All I can tell you folks is, and somebody quickly screenshot that video. This is the world of social media. Alec, will you not agree that you need to just be very careful about what you're recording, what you're taking photos of, and um, what you're posting, whether accidentally or not? Because once it's in the public domain, hello, it's in the public domain and you can't retract it. You can't stop people from sharing it on WhatsApp messages. They might not be able to share it on that, like a Facebook page, whatever, but it will still go viral and be all over the place. Agreed? Yeah, I mean, it happened to me before. I mean, um, I thought I was sending a picture to an old girlfriend mm -hmm. and uh, it just so happened that um, it went to my right whole- to the new girlfriend? <laughs> you know, it, it went to one, my, my squash group. <laughs> so- Lord have mercy, Alric, how did that happen? I. So I, I had a chat group with um, everybody I play squash with. And um, it just so happened that the initials of my group were mm -hmm. almost, almost the same as my old girlfriend. And so, mm. <laughs> but hey, you, you learn these lessons, you know. <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, it, it happens. I mean, even if you meant to share something private between, you know, two people that it's just meant to be between you two. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you press the wrong button and, um, you know, it happens. <laughs> oh, oh, somebody says they remember that picture. Need I ask what the picture was of? Lord have mercy. Leave it there. Just leave it there. Um, no, but it's true. I mean, sometimes you make these kind of mistakes. I have, um, for example, because I have a, a Roke group, which is a, a business group for Roke purposes, if you know about my Roke business. And then I have CMR News. A couple of times I've accidentally, because um, I might be forwarding, because I have two phones. So I might be forwarding something from myself from one phone to the next for whatever reason. 
And then I accidentally sent it to my Roke group, but it was news stuff. And I was like, oops, wrong news group. Like it's not related to that. And most people were like, oh, okay, whatever. But um, personal photos, I've never um, done that one before because uh, yeah, like I tell my husband, you don't need no photos, honey, just come home. <laughs> you can see it live <laughs> and in person, no photos needed. And you know, back in the day when you were, um, when I was on the market, sometimes you would get requests for stuff. And I'd be like, no son, uh, we don't play that around here. We are mature adults. If you want to see something, the best thing is to just see it in person and don't be bringing no video cameras, no recordings, no nothing. Um, adults aren't going to be about that kind of life. Now, um, I do appreciate, you know, a little, maybe a little bikini picture, whatever. Everybody has a different thing that they're into. So Alec is obviously into sending some um, uh, pre foreplay photos, um, but those can definitely, definitely get you in trouble. So bluff to see says, this is a problem that came out of faces. We continue to import poverty for cheap labor. The problem being that poverty is a state of mind. This is why it's so hard to get out of poverty. Hmm, okay. Um, I think a thief is a thief, no matter what their economic stratosphere is. There are rich people, or, or apparently people who have good jobs and are wealthier people, whatever, who steal the same way. I mean, look at the bartender who stole a stapler. He doesn't look like he's uber, you know, but like you said, I guess it's a state of mind. Like it doesn't have anything to even do probably with your finances. Um, why you would think to steal from people. It's just absolutely ridiculous. And stealing from businesses hurts their bottom line. And that is then trickle down to the consumers as a whole. So Atlas says with today's technology and surveillance, you can't get away with crimes anymore. People are still trying. I guess some people still have some luck. And so, yes, they keep trying their, their hands at it. So let's talk about government and FOI. And I think Alric will find this conversation particularly interesting. So I noticed the other day that um, a good acquaintance of mine posted something on, um, on Instagram in relation to that same video that we posted of the man and the woman in the boat. And she's like, oh, you're trying to ruin people's lives and you ruined my best friend. And I was like, what the heck is she talking about? Because I know her quite well. And I'm like, okay, I'm lost here. So I reach out in a private conversation. I said, hey, wh what are you talking about? Like, you've really lost me here. I don't know what's going on. And she says, let's read the message because this is super interesting. I've removed, um, oh, shoot. Actually, I haven't removed her name. Hold on, hold on. The, the, listen, what did I tell you about this whole picture thing? Um, let me take her name out because I'm not trying to address her on a personal level. Um, hold on now. Where is that photo? I have extracted um, the civil servant's name because the point isn't even who it's about, but it's interesting that this came up and what she says to me is, oh, you should just FOI your stuff. And I'm like, hmm, well, don't we know a thing about FOI? Alric. Um, Alric is very familiar with the world of FOI. So this, um, I'm going to put it in context for you guys. So remember when Alric, we did the story on um, Roy Tatum and the fact that he had gotten what was the equivalent of almost a 40% increase in salary. I don't know if you you remember that story. But I, I, don't, I don't remember the story, but I do remember um, some some news articles um, were done, but I don't remember your story specifically. 
Well, we were the only ones who reported it. Well, so the report was that um, Roy Tatum, who was the former premier, which would be Alden McLaughlin's um, political analyst, received the equivalent of almost a 40% increase. And part of that included um, a hardship allowance, which to this day just blows my mind. So I think that this is what this is all about. So she goes on to say to me, yes, Sandra, I know what you did to my BF, her best friend, and I was disturbingly surprised and hurt. It took me that long to call you out because of my being in uh, an outer shock. I guess she meant outer shock, I guess. I don't know. But for, for F's sake, the next time you need information, form government, request it, people need their jobs. And this was you cussing about all the time, Caymanians fighting down Caymanians. But yes, you, but yet, I think that's supposed to be yet, you pull this effery. Um, oh, I thought I removed her name. Oh, shoot. Well, whatever. She's a civil servant. Is <laughs> not to be effed with anymore because no one can ever walk in her shoes. She's an honest and trustworthy one, properly, probably the only honest person within government. Okay. That's quite a pedestal to put someone on. I mean, government does employ thousands of people. Nonetheless, uh, now to avoid me from going off or disrespecting your ass, okay, um, I'm going to leave this right here and block your ass. Mm -hmm. I said what I said. So at first I'm confused. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? And then I started to do a little bit of digging and I realized and tie this into the whole um, situation with um, Roy Tatum. So let me refresh your memories because uh, what she apparently is alleging is that this document actually had her BFF's name on it. Um, so I never saw the name. So that's interesting. I'm not going to say Roy Tatum. I'm not going to say that the name wasn't there. What I will say, and this is from April of 2021, the name of the story again was Premier gives political advisor 40% salary increase, including a hardship allowance. And this was a story, again, that only CMR carried. And if people don't see the necessity to talk about this in a, uh, a public sense, then, um, you know, Senior Alric, you're back on screen, by the way. I know I keep pulling you in and out. So this was a story, and it talked about the man making over $12,000 a month almost on par with some elected ministers and how he got this increase in salary over the last term, including um, some $1,200 plus for a hardship allowance. So we do have this document here, which is um, a payroll document. And honestly, I never realized, uh, because, you know, it wasn't necessary for me to really look that closely except at the details and the body of it, that it does say up at the top that it was actually printed by this individual. So I'm guessing they must have printed it and left it somewhere and then other people got a hold of it because this civil servant never has ever, including this document, provided me with one iota of information. So I want to make that very, very clear in terms of setting the record straight. However, this concept, and this is the cabinet office that would have uh, this information on the salary of this individual and others um, coming out of the premier's office, this concept that 
oh, you should have just FOI'd it, is to me very, very shocking. Because if media as a whole, and I want to make this very, very clear, relied on FOI documents alone, rest assured that we would never know what is going on in the civil service. Here's why. Civil servants know how to hide information and work around the FOI law. It is incredibly sad, but that is the truth. Not only do they know how to, um, number one, sometimes they don't keep the records in an official capacity because they don't want it to be FOIable. Or as they did with Alric, this quite ironically, this exact same government department cabinet, when Alric went to them, make an FOI request, Alric, refresh your memories. What did they do? Well, the, yeah, so there's a series of delays that are in the law. And uh, sometimes, depending on who's asking the question, the departments will go through those delays. So you'll get initially 30 days to respond. And then they, ha they have a discretion to extend. And then they may not respond or they may respond and tell you no. And at that stage, you have to appeal. And then you have to wait. There's a delay for the appeal. And then there's a possibility the response for the appeal may be extended. And so if you are not a very patient person and if you don't know what the law says, then it can get really frustrating and you will just give up on your request. Mm. So um, they have understood how to um, basically frustrate the FOI process. Correct. And it's very sad for the people who don't know the process and don't know the law. It's very sad because the idea is, is that government is meant to be transparent and the people should be able to get access to certain information. And th there are certain things that are thrown in to the law, things like, you know, if you make a request and the person receiving the request feels that it's going to take too much of the government's resources and time, then they may decide that you need to narrow your requests or they may, may decide that it will take too much government resources and so they can't satisfy the request. So there's all these things in there that allow uh, the person who's supposed to provide, provide you the information, it allows mm -hmm. them to delay or just not give it to you. So, um, you know, something needs to be done about that Freedom of Information Act mm -hmm. to make sure that things are just transparent for all of us. Well, let's not forget that what was done by the last government, the progressives government, is they actually went in and watered down the FOI law even further to make it easier for civil servants to avoid giving you information. So as a media house, when people bring information to us, when they say, hey, here's a letter, here's an email, here's a WhatsApp conversation, um, if you think that we're going to then just turn around and uh, be like, oh, well, let me wait six months to submit an FOI and get a response, and then they're going to try to deny it and run you around in circles. Uh, again, in the vein of what we're discussing this morning in terms of how CMR works, the short answer is no, we're not going to wait.
So yeah. it's unfortunate that this civil servant's name was at the top because I must be completely honest. I didn't even look at that part of the document or see that, but um, I can assure her supervisors and everybody else in the civil service that she never provided that document. So um, that should be, I suppose, their only concern as it relates to her. Um, if she didn't provide the document to the media, then you know there should be no issues with her job. But at the end of the day, unfortunately, because of all the dirt and stuff that's being hidden in the civil service, we have to go with this, you know what, if they give it to us, however we get it, we get it. It reminds me of the case with Dr. Lee. Do you remember this 200 page judgment about how uh, Dr. Lee customs um, and border control the police, everybody basically screwed up in raiding the Doctors Express facility over their vapes. They got it wrong. And do you know that one of the most important emails was not part of the discovery documents. It came to the attention of the lawyers of the plaintiffs through some other means. So um, what I would say to this um, acquaintance of mine, when you talk about, oh, why don't you just FOI it? Um, that's easy for you to say because you probably never FOI'd anything in your life and you don't have a clue of how government goes to great lengths to try to hide documents. If you're in the middle of a court proceeding, discovery of documents, you're supposed to supply the other side with all of the documents, even unused documents um, in these types of cases. And when they purposely, it appears, goes, go out of their way to try to hide documentation, what do you think an FOI is going to do? So let me just set the record straight here, folks. Um, CMR, like I said, I have personally requested very few things by FOI. I could probably count it on one hand. Um, I don't need to do it. There are other people who will FOI documents and send them to me. Um, I will ask questions as part of media. A lot of times they skirt around the questions. They will not answer um, the question. And then it is what it is. So um, let me share something else that I received yesterday uh, that we have reason to believe is completely a legitimate document. Um, it's not in the public sphere, but again, we get it. So I'm going to share it here with you guys for some food for thought. The HSA allegedly, we're, we'll wait on them to confirm this for us. But in the meanwhile, it's on letterhead. So let's just have um, a look at this one. So the HSA sent out this correspondence yesterday. It's a little bit hard to read because it's fuzzy. Uh, it's dated June the, I think that's the 15th. It looks a little bit fuzzy. But basically, it says that all new hires in the organization and current employees seeking contract renewals will be subjected, uh, will be required to be fully vaccinated against the COVID-19 disease. Now, this isn't anything earth shattering because this is essentially what the government has said will be the position in terms of work permit holders. This is probably the first organization, however, that has made the decision that it is their policy. And they don't say just um, expat workers, which is probably what makes this a bit more interesting. They say all people, new hires, or as you come up on your contract renewal. Now, legit, you could understand being in that hospital environment, um, why the HSA would carry out and have such a policy. The HSA has not made this policy public. So again, this goes to the whole point of why when we receive information that we believe is legit, we go with that information, 
we will reach out to the HSA and say, hey, is this true? I guess all they can say is yes or no, but we don't expect them to provide this type of information to the media or to put it in the public realm, but others will. And when they do, we are here for it. Alric, any final words on that topic before we move on? Um, we raised a few questions over the past couple of months about when revisions are made to the Freedom of Information Act, whenever the public wants more information, mm -hmm. the, way, the way that the government avoids giving information is that the government then amends the law. So, you know, th there was that amendment that basically took away the ability from the members of the public to see cabinet minutes in certain circumstances. So we need to pay attention and we need to make sure that the changes that are being made to reduce transparency are actually reversed so that we as members of the public can can see how public money is being spent and what the terms of those agreements are, where the money is being spent. Um, that's so all I would add is that um, some of the things that have been done to reduce the transparency for the public, they need to be reversed. Mm -hmm. Well, I certainly hope that this government, that that will um, be one of their priorities. We're going to start talking about them here in a little bit. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm very aware of the fact that they have their hands full and they have a lot of things um, that they will be working on. And I guess a lot of reversing to do and a lot of things they need to fix in terms of uh, you know what the progressives may have done over the past eight years. But if they want to be transparent, which they have said that they do, um, and they are setting themselves aside on you know transparency, being environmentally friendly, and all these other things, in order for us to believe those aspects of their campaign promises, I think there has to be some efforts made, um, hopefully soon, to try to do things like revise uh, legislation. And I, I kind of hate to even see this happening, but it's a necessity. They have to now undo the damage that the previous administration did in eroding the FOI, FOI legislation or act and um, put those things back in place and maybe even strengthen it further in terms of it benefiting people in the community. So this reminds me that just a couple of days ago in American news, just by contrast, there was an article about um, President Trump and the fact that um, some of his policies in relation to immigration were actually being reversed. Um, let me just see which one this was. So some policy he had put in place, here we go. The attorney general, this was on Wednesday, uh, the attorney general reversed a Trump era immigration ruling that made it all but impossible to seek asylum over fears of domestic abuse or gang violence. So this is now attorney general Merrick Garland in the US uh, making this decision that breaks from the previous administration's policy um, on asylum and um, you know, basically limiting asylum, um, including for survivors of gun viol or gang violence, sorry, and domestic abuse. So um, it shows that, you know, this current Biden administration has taken a very different approach and he is overturning uh, what many say was a very restrictive or overly restricted policy as it related to asylum. So it's very, very interesting. Um, 
and you know, I think sometimes, unfortunately, it's necessary to undo the harms that have been done by others. So Kathy says, this is a good point, Sandy, with Doctors Express, prime example of how they manipulate things. Um, Renita says, um, sue HSA for human rights violations. You can't do that to anyone. Force an experimental drug on people. This is absolutely ridiculous. Well, I think that they have already consulted with, the premier said this um, a couple of days ago, because they will be putting this policy in place, it looks like, for work permit holders. And um, they have already consulted with attorneys. Uh, the Human Rights Committee has also said that as long as the right uh, safeguards are in place, this in and of itself does not go against any human rights violations. And there will be a lot of people around the world, Renita, whether you like it or not, that will be requiring uh, some sort of COVID passport or COVID vaccination proof for you to even enter their country. And you can't sue the United States of America and be like, oh, I want to come into your country with a communicable disease, uh, potentially. What is very, very interesting, a lot of people don't know this because maybe you've never been subjected to the immigration laws of another country. Alric, have you lived anywhere else where you've had to deal with overseas immigration? Man, these are all rumors about me being outside Cayman, all rumors. I'm so glad we're in CMR to address that. Oh, <laughs> okay. Rumors, rumors. Well, I have uh, I have lived in the United States of America for 15 years of my life, and I grew up there, so I'm a little bit familiar with um, some of the um, some of the immigration laws in that country. And for you to be able to be granted things like residency and citizenship, they do want a blood test, and they do want to know. They ask you questions like. Do you have any mental illnesses? I'm like, oh, you're going to deny me if I'm crazy? If I'm paranoid schizophrenic, like what we have going on at the governor's office? And then in Cayman, we say, well, we can't do anything about her. We can't deport her because that would be against human rights. Well, countries all over the world have it as part of their um, vetting process for you to be able to get residency. They want to know, do you have a communicable disease? And I'm like, oh. Um, I'm trying to remember what else they have. They have some very interesting questions on the residency application. Let me just have, uh, I'm going to have a quick look because some of them will blow your mind. Um, cause they're not, they're not as, um, you know, on our application form, we still ask for some of these things and people will say, um, this is crazy. I think it's actually on the citizenship application form. It's not even, it's not even just residency, it's citizenship application. Um, so I'm just trying to remember for naturalization. There's a whole list of things that they're going to ask you about, um, including your mental state and your health. So let me just see if I can find it. But Yes, these are these are requirements, and they're still very much in place. Um, so look it up, folks. It's all there. Um, so you have to do the civics test, for example. Um, it says that you should be able to read, write, and speak basic English. Demonstrate good moral character. So when people say, well, why in the Cayman Islands is it a requirement that we be able to do these things um, to get status? Well, it's not in just in the Cayman Islands. It is in the United States of America. So you have to demonstrate good moral character. What does that mean? If you're cheating with your neighbor, uh, your married neighbor, is that good moral character? Well, maybe not. 
um, demonstrated a knowledge and understanding of U.S. history and government, uh, demonstrated loyalty to the principles of the U.S. Constitution, be willing to take the oath of allegiance. Um, and there are other requirements. So uh, isn't that incredibly interesting? The point being that, um, Renita, you may not like it, but um, around the world now there will be countries, organizations, and businesses requiring you to uh, do the vaccine. And unfortunately, if you don't want to do it, I guess from their perspective, the alternative will be for you to actually um, seek employment elsewhere. I mean, technically they're not forcing you to do it because that is an option to go find another job. So it's not like they're saying, well, you have to do it. Um, or are we going to take it and jab it in your arm? So they're not being that draconian about it. But just like when you go to a job, there may be other criteria, you know. Shan, good morning. Good morning, Carson. Louis here joining us from Detroit. Uh, the border crisis is a disaster, says Venice. Thank you. Morning, Maria. Sue says, so true, Sandy. Yes, to get into other countries, they have more rules and regulations and vaccines to know than Cayman ever did. Elizabeth, good morning. Um, so I don't think anybody has open borders, but there's certain very restrictive policies uh, that are being removed because they're being said to be overly restrictive. Alric, what is your take on this as it relates to vaccines? I know you've been vaccinated. First of all, have you gotten your second jab as yet? Yes, I got the second jab. Um, I mean... Did you have any effects from it at all? No, I, I didn't have any effects, but um, I had friends that, you know, got sick, um, yeah. headaches um, and different things. Um, and I, I, I was told that the second jab affects people in different ways. Mm -hmm. And it, it may relate to how strong their immune system is. But, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm not a scientist. So um, pe people are skeptical because the vaccine wasn't around for a long period of time. So mm -hmm. they, they were very skeptical. And I, I understand, I mean, um, you know, I had questions too. So I had to start doing research and, and trying to understand what it was all about. And um, I think everyone else is trying to do the same thing, doing their research to understand what, what this is about, why it's being rushed and, you know, um, are there any options and alternatives? Because some people have come up with an alternative. I think it's called Ivermectin or something like that, that they're saying that what was also um, effective against COVID. But then I, re I read other articles that said this thing was not effective or, you know, so mm -hmm. it depends on what you read and, you know, where you read it. It's there's just so much information out there these days on, on social media and in the news that you, you just don't know what to believe. But the fact is about this vaccine is that it, it you know, it, it has not been around for a long time because normally, you know, vaccines get go through trials of, you know, three to four years or five years, whatever it is, you know, before it finally gets approved. And I don't think this one went through that process. So people are right to be concerned. But the bottom line is 
what we're going to find is that some governments and some airlines may require that the passenger have a particular vaccine. They may require it. And in that case, some people may have to take the vaccine if they want to travel. You know, mm -hmm. so it depends let on... Me, let me pause you right there, um, Alec, because I want to share some information. Because I think this is an important point that you have brought up. And I've actually um, had this discussion with people privately before, and I think this is a good opportunity to perhaps address this in a little bit more detail. So where you get your information from is obviously very, very important. I mean, we're in the news business, so we appreciate that. And um, there's some news sources that are more trustworthy than others or trustable, I should say than others. Um, but this idea that the COVID vaccine just came out of nowhere is actually one of the biggest misconceptions that is out there. So let me address this because everybody would be right to be concerned if they believe that this vaccine was just created overnight, uh, pushed through trials, and now somebody's jabbing you in the arm. But listen very carefully to what the actual position is. And this is why, folks, you have got to do your research, right? Uh, experts and non-experts, everybody jumps up, everyone thinks that they're an expert and they want to tell you what the position is and what the situation is. And it would be near impossible, really and truly, to develop a vaccine in the amount of time that this had taken had there not been decades worth of an existing foundation. So let me share the position with you guys because you're going to find this astonishing if you actually believe that this vaccine was created overnight. So here we go. Um, the development of the mRNA vaccines against COVID-19 is no overnight success. In fact, they have been a, a remarkable backstory stretching back decades. Without one researcher's determination, two companies with vision, a longtime network of university labs, and decades of taxpayer funding in treatments for influenza and HIV, particularly by the United States National Institute of Health, COVID-19 vaccines might still be years away. Even then, it took a massive, unprecedented investment by the U.S. government to get these shots from labs into arms faster than ever before. So that part is true that they had to, you know, expedite the process. However, this concept that this was started from scratch and we don't know what's in it and it's entirely experimental is completely false. The remarkable success um, has been over the past few months and slowing the COVID-19 pandemic in the United States can be traced back to those four, to these four parallel stories and one big bet from the US government. So number one, the mRNA vaccines, an idea more than 30 years in the making. Did y'all hear that? 30 years. So when Catalin, I don't even know this last name, Carico, PhD, came to the United States from Hungary in 1985, she brought with her a passionate determination to work on mRNA. Messenger RNA is fundamental to life. Sets of blueprints spelled out uh, using four nucleoid letters for building every protein and every life form on earth. Carico's big idea was to produce proteins at will by injecting mRNA into cells, but her experiments did not work for a long time. Lack of success forced her to rely on more senior scientists from another, uh, sorry, more senior scientists after another to support her work. While she made it, uh, 
only on meager wages. In 1998, Carrico partnered with Drew Wesman, MD, PhD, at the University of Philadelphia. Wesman was interested in developing an HIV vaccine based on mRNA. After many failures, Carrico and Wesman learned that natural mRNAs use small amounts of slightly modified nucleotides in addition to the four standard nucleotides. When the scientists inserted the modified nucleotides into the mRNAs they were using in their research, they began to find that these modified mRNAs produce proteins efficiently without causing undesirable side effects. They began to publish their findings starting in 2005. By the time the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 showed up in 2020, Carrico and Wesman were already working on an influenza vaccine based on their mRNA technology. That's number one. Number two, visionary companies fuel the drive towards mRNA vaccines. So um, it can take years for lab breakthroughs to become market-ready products. And this is exactly what happened with mRNA. Soon after Kuroko and Wesman work was published in the mid-2000s, visionary companies recognized the implications of mRNA for vaccines and quickly licensed the technology. Moderna was founded in 2010 to produce vaccines based on the new mRNA technology. Did you guys just hear that? Moderna was founded on the premise of actually producing vaccines based on this new technology. And the company has been growing as a vaccine manufacturer when the COVID-19 virus appeared, had been growing. Moderna was not the only one working on the mRNA approach to vaccines. BioNTech is a German company established to work in immunotherapists uh, therapies in 2008 by a Turkish couple who immigrated from Germany. Like Moderna, BioNTech recognized the value of the mRNA technology for vaccine design years ago and licensed that technology. In 2013, BioNTech hired Carrico as vice president and began to develop mRNA technologies for use against many diseases. BioNTech's efforts in vaccine development greatly increased in 2018 when Pfizer joined BioNTech's effort with a research and development agreement to develop mRNA-based vaccines against influenza. It was a natural collaboration because Pfizer, a U.S. company in New York, has been a major vaccine producer for a long time. When the pandemic began, Pfizer and BioNTech immediately turned their attention to developing vaccines against COVID-19. Number three, and I am going into a lot of detail here because again, you have people who unfortunately are um, woefully misinformed on this topic and they use this logic that, oh, they developed this vaccine overnight. So this lays out very succinctly details about these companies and about these scientists, physicians, PhDs, researchers, uh, with a great deal of information that I think the general public needs to understand. So when someone comes to you again and says, oh, well, this vaccine just came up overnight, you now have a better understanding that that actually isn't true, none at all. That in fact, that would be an impossibility in the world of medicine. So number three, 
insights from the fight against flu and HIV were crucial to COVID-19 success. However, in order to produce vaccines against COVID-19, Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech first needed to identify the right mRNA sequences for proteins that would make suitable vaccine components. COVID-19 virus is similar to the SARS virus of 2003, and previous research of the SARS outbreak suggested potential vaccine components. Nevertheless, exact design of the actual vaccine structure was not a simple task for a small company like Moderna or even a larger one like Pfizer. Even though the entire COVID-19 virus genome had been published by Chinese researchers in early 2020. And that's important because this concept of the virus genome, I think misses a lot of people. Now I understand that this is getting a little bit technical here, but when we talk about what the virus um, genome is, it's basically DNA or RNA only, um, you know, which is the molecules that they then examine to look at. That's like the, the smallest you can get in the DNA sequence, basically. Um, so that is really, really important to understanding how things like viruses work. And there's a whole, you know, you can read all sorts of stuff on that from sciencedirect.com to figure out exactly what that is. And they, it's helpful for them to have what they call segmented genomes um, for different things. So whether it's the herpes virus, for example, um, you know, HIV virus, it helps them to then hopefully come up with um, effective treatments and potential uh, cures at some point as well. All right, so we're not medical experts here and we're certainly not scientists, but again, there is a lot that you could read and learn. For example, did you know that the flu virus genome for, um, has only 15,000 nucleotides, which sounds like a lot, but I guess to them it isn't, it says only. For comparison, the human genome is 3.2, ooh, I think that's, is that billion? You know, when they put too many zeros behind it, you have to count backwards. Yes, it looks like that's 3.2 million or billion. I think that's billion. Million. Yes, that's 3.2 billion, looks like. And nucleotides are approximately 200 times longer. Um, so viruses are obviously super efficient in their quest to invade the host cell and to propagate. So let's go backwards now. Um, so this virus genome for COVID-19 was actually published by the Chinese researchers in 2020. Now listen, the Chinese are under a lot of scrutiny because there is this belief um, that is growing some tentacles that uh, COVID-19 may have come about as a result of the Chinese working with it in a lab and it accidentally escaped. Uh, that is probably very likely, folks. I mean, you'd be surprised what they're doing uh, in labs and the research that they're doing. Now, why were they researching it? Who knows, really? But a lot of times it's for the very same reason, because they're trying to come up with vaccines. They want to be the first if something happens. Um, to have a cure, to have an effective treatment, and all of these sorts of things. There's one. There's only one way you can do that, and that's like decades worth of research. And yes, these viruses can be very, very dangerous. And if you're not careful enough, and they get out in the general population, 
then folks, you have what has happened most likely with COVID-19, where we've got millions of people around the world that um, are being impacted by this. It doesn't change the fact that we've got to get this under control. And at this point in time, it looks like effective vaccinations are the only way to do that. So this document continues here and it says, but here's where another decade long scientific effort paid off. Concern about influenza pandemic on the scale of the 1918 flu pandemic had long motivated US investment in flu studies, particularly by the NIH. So the NIH has spent more than 40 years funding scientists working towards a vaccine for HIV. HIV has been around that long? Wow, that's kind of making me feel old now because I remember when HIV came on the scene. Uh, the crucial sequence information needed to target COVID-19 came from a vaccine research laboratory at the NIH. The work had been, the lab had been working in HIV vaccine design for decades and had developed algorithms to identify molecular structures optimized for vaccines. This approach also predicted a successful vaccine structure against the respiratory uh, syncytial virus, whatever the heck that is. Harnessing that experience, the NIH group rapidly identified stable molecular structures optimized for the mRNA vaccines against COVID-19. Number four, NIH investment in vaccine evaluation infrastructure pays off. So for 60 years, the NIH has been, has also maintained a group of about 10 university laboratories throughout the country to help test against, uh, to help test vaccines against pathogens such as influenza. These clinical and scientific teams uh, known as vaccine and treatment evaluation units or VTEUs include physicians, researchers, nurses dedicated to vaccine studies and testing. Over the years, uh, VTEUs also have trained uh, numerous vaccine experts and some of them have brought their skills to universities, vaccine companies and regulatory agencies. In addition to the VTEU network, the NIH has supported an HIV vaccine trials network and the AIDS clinical trials network. As Moderna and Pfizer, as Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech created their mRNA vaccines against COVID-19, these experts and vaccine study networks were recruited into rapid vaccine testing, and they enlisted tens of thousands of people willing to volunteer as test subjects. To everyone's pleasant surprise, the mRNA vaccines proved to be extremely effective at preventing moderate and severe forms of the disease, as well as its spread. Now, let me just stick a pin right there for one second um, and say this much. I know that in Cayman, um, very few people will step forward and participate in clinical trials, right? We don't want to do it. In fact, we say, don't do any clinical trials in animals. Don't do any um, clinical trials on people. And so I say to all of you, how on earth do you to have modern medicine come to any sort of fruition when it comes to, um, you know, coming up with effective treatments. Clinical trials are a necessity, you know. We might not want to be the first in line for it, but someone has to volunteer. And I must say that um, 
Americans tend to be a lot of times, depending, I guess, on who you are in America, a little bit more liberal when it comes to saying, yes, I will volunteer for a clinical trial because I understand the greater good that is at risk here. I remember even when they were testing teens some months back with the COVID virus, there were parents who were saying, I put my child in this clinical trial because I'd rather my child go through the clinical trial, whatever the outcomes may be, as opposed to um, as opposed to actually potentially getting COVID and dying from COVID. So, you know, the choices are there for people to make. Some people understand the importance of being involved in clinical trials. And um, then it goes on to say American government guaranteed purchases to spread mass production. And this is really important because everybody's like, oh, you know, these um, companies are all about the money. Uh, these development companies, well, I'm sure every business is in it for the money. <laughs> Very few businesses can survive in just altruistic reasons. Um, however, having said that, that doesn't mean that they don't offer a good product or good service or whatever the case may be, just because they're trying to make a buck. That's how they fund their other research for other things. And that's how they keep the company afloat. And that's how they make a profit. Drug companies are in the business of making money. We can all accept that. Now, in a situation like this, where you have COVID, which has now killed over 600,000 Americans alone, uh, comes on the scene, yes, you will have governments who will say, here, I will give you money to um, expedite the situation here, expedite the production of this virus, get this into people's arms um, after your clinical trials have proven that it's uh, quite effective, and let's just get it done. In fact, the American government was so desperate to find a cure that under the Trump administration, they were talking to German scientists trying to poach them. They were willing to poach the Ch Chinese scientists if they were willing to come on board and not only poach scientists, but they were willing to hoard the vaccine for themselves so that smaller countries such as the Cayman Islands and the Caribbean region, et cetera, poorer countries would not have equitable um, access to vaccine distribution, which is really, really unfair because then the rich countries would be protecting themselves and their people and the poor countries would be left out in the cold. And that is why when I say folks that we are in a fortunate position to at least at this point not have to pay for this vaccine and to have the UK government willing to give us some of their vaccine, we've not even had to rely on the Caribbean, um, the name isn't coming to me right now, but the Caribbean network that was guaranteeing the smaller nations in the Caribbean the vaccine. Places like Haiti don't have that kind of uh, protection and they have a real issue trying to get the vaccine. Jamaica and other places have some difficulties securing it as well. So I'm almost done with this, Alric, hang in there. Number five is American government guaranteed purchases to speed mass production. So ordinarily manufacturers wait for proof of efficacy before building the expensive custom infrastructure and systems needed to produce millions of doses of a treatment. Why would that investment, um, why make that investment, sorry, if the uh, test candidate might fail? But for the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines, the US government pledged to purchase millions of doses and provide upfront money even before the vaccine's efficacy was determined. You know why? Because that's how desperate the COVID situation was for them. And they could see, although they still underprotected the 600,000 deaths, they could still see where this thing was going, right? 
So this allowed Moderna and Pfizer BioNTech to build mass production capacity, even as testing was underway. Um, then the final thing here is brave human volunteers. So obviously to gain regulatory approval, a vaccine has to be tested for safety and efficacy in healthy volunteers after being uh, shown safe in animals. Fortunately, hundreds of thousands of people the world over agreed to take the vaccine um, as candidates. Some got a placebo so that real life comparisons could be made. After analyzing the massive and detailed data from these volunteers, regulatory agencies gave their nod to the two mRNA vaccines. Importantly, uh, these trial volunteers continue to be monitored for any long-term issues and to find out how long the COVID-19 immunity lasts. Because of course, that is uh, one of the larger questions um, that you know is still a bit up in the air. They believe that the immunity could be upwards of a year, but they have to kind of wait and see. Um, so again, the bottom line is that these companies' ability to produce COVID-19 vaccines did not result from luck, and it was not a short-term effort, as a lot of people erroneously believe. The mRNA vaccines we have today were birthed from decades of investment and determination. Kariko's tenacity still endures today. Um, she rises every morning at 5 a.m. to work in her basement laboratory, and her work and that of many other dedicated scientists have benefited the world. So the long-term investment of the NIH and other funding agencies have produced the manpower, organization, science, and technology that were all necessary to produce the vaccines that will help, uh, hopefully, the world win against the COVID-19 virus. Now, there's quite a bit of other vaccines, folks, that are coming out there that are not as um, effective, and they've not gone through um, the, the stringent, you know, even testing requirements that this has, despite what you think. You guys actually need to go and read the research for yourselves. Read the trial documentation in the paperwork. Um, so Alric, I know we went a little bit deep there, but I think that that was necessary. Paho isn't who I'm thinking of. It is, um, it's the Caribbean, oh God, hold on. I know that they're working with Paho, but it is the, um, Alec, do you remember how they were gonna guarantee that the smaller countries um, were going to be able to get it? Um, here we go, here we go, here, here it is. COVAX, right. So COVAX is um, an organization, let me just make sure I'm calling it the right thing. It's, it's the Vaccines Global Access Facility shortened to COVAX facility, which basically guarantees that smaller nations such as the Cayman Islands, Trinidad and Tobago, Jamaica, and so on, um, would be able to access the vaccine if required. So several Caribbean countries, including the Cayman Islands, Jamaica, um, are going to get, this was in early days before the UK said, okay, we'll supply it to you because we still kind of run the show here. Um, receiving European Union funds via Car CARFA, which is the Caribbean Public Health Agency, to help pay for the COVID-19 vaccines because, yeah, the vaccines are not free. And, um, you know, decades worth of research on these things, I mean, you know, if the companies are now going to start to make a little bit of money and have that research paid off, who can blame them? 
Had you been working for decades on a project, at some point, wouldn't you want a return on your investment? So yes, they're going to make some money eventually, um, but it takes quite a while for a lot of these um, companies to often recover and start to make, to actually make money um, in the world of, of vaccination. So that's a whole other topic. But co the COVAX facility, so countries who are participating in that, have access to doses of vaccine as a result of advanced purchases that were made by the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations. And again, the idea is that smaller nations and smaller countries are always at a disadvantage when it comes to receiving vaccines. So Sue says, some people just don't see or understand how many people lost their lives last year and now we have the vaccine, it's saving millions of lives. COVID, not fussy, who it will pick on. Um, it could be the fittest person ever to get it. And yes, we all gave our children as babies all their vaccines, not knowing about them either. So she makes the point, how much did you know about the other vaccines? But you did it because they were eliminating disease like measles, mumps, polio, and so forth around the world. So Jonathan says there's been decades worth of research for ganja and the effects for most people is happy, hungry, sleepy, and possible jail time. <laughs> they have decades worth of research on the vaccine. Effects in some people, um, blood clots, heart palpitations, rash, and possible death. Mm, I don't know about possible death, but okay. I took the shot because I love to gamble. Las Vegas, here I come. <laughs> Well, um, one thing I would say about marijuana is the research around marijuana, unfortunately, has not been as organized probably by the medical profession as it could have been or as it should, should be. Um, and I mean, I don't know what to tell you about that, but people want to claim that marijuana cures everything from cancers to whatever. And the truth of the matter, Jonathan, is given the amount of people that smoke marijuana, just smoke pot, whatever you want to call it. And obviously there is a difference between that and medicinal marijuana. Um, given the number of people around the world who smoke that from time, from Jesus was a baby, as they would say, you would think that um, there would be immense evidence of it curing all sorts of ailments. But you know, talk to, talk to Bob Marley. I mean, he believed in, in marijuana probably for his supposed religious reasons or whatever. It certainly didn't help him with the cancer in his toe that went to his bone and then eventually killed him. So I don't know. I mean, that's a whole other discussion, obviously, but yes. Um, thank you, Sue, for your comments. Alric, I know we went a little bit deep. Um, Elizabeth saying it's a vaccine show. Well, you know what? We are talking about, um, everything that impacts Cayman, even uh, at the moment, um, what is happening in this country. Yes, there's a vaccine drive. And in order for you to understand why the government is saying, or why the HSA, as we've just mentioned, is saying uh, we want people to take this vaccine, um, it is what it is. So King, good morning to you. Thank you for your comments. Alric, any thoughts now on this idea that... Um, you know, about vaccine hesitancy. I know you said you've taken it, but someone has said, I did a panel discussion explaining the whole vaccine hesitancy and such. Maybe useful to help folks understand 
more about the heavy medical jargon. Thank you so much for sharing that. We'll put that link in the chat. Anything else you wanted to say about that, Alric? Well, someone is someone is saying they did a panel. Yes, King actually participated in a panel discussion. So we're going to share that link here so that uh, people can see. Yeah, that, that'd be cool to see. I mean, I mean, some people say they don't know where to get the information. Some people say they have the information, but it's so much information, they can't digest it. So it would be really cool to share what, what he um, has on, on that panel so that people can see the back and forth and the different opinions. All right. Let's keep it moving. We got a lot to talk about here today. So um, Alric, over the last couple of days, um, there has been a number of, um, obviously there was the government press conference. We can go through some of those things here in a second. And the opposition attempted to one up the government. I know you were talking about this a little bit earlier. So the government has shared that they were actually um, scheduled to have a press conference last week, which I had heard. Um, because they promised about once a month to have a press conference. So they were scheduled to have a press conference last week and uh, they delayed that press conference because they were waiting on additional information. And the additional information that they're waiting on is how effective the uh, Pfizer BioNTech vaccine, which is primarily what people are getting here in the Cayman Islands, has been against the new Delta variant. Now, I don't know how much you guys know about the Delta variant, but it has a lot of people scared um, because it seems to be the dominant variant that is spreading very, very rapidly um, around the world. And in fact, um, it is of such concern that it looks like the UK who was considering uh, sort of reopening, I think on the 21st next, which is Monday coming, has actually... Um, really made uh, a change in their decision to reopen their borders. And in fact, the CDC just yesterday has said that the Delta variant now accounts for 10% of the US COVID-19 cases. And that is um, proven to be a fast spreading uh, variant. And they're even saying that it could have different symptoms. It's like, Lord have mercy, are you kidding? We'll get into that a little bit more on Monday's program. But the um, the progressives came out with a press conference on, what day was that? Uh, Tuesday, I think it was, saying that they had all the answers um, to how to reopen the country. And the next day was actually the government press conference. And the government has essentially said, well, if you had all the answers, why is it that nobody else knew that you had all the answers or a plan of reopening, such as the civil servants who would be responsible in large part for ensuring that we reopen uh, safely? What is your take, Alric? Obviously, you're in the political realm. You're the political animal here. Um, what is your take on this whole situation of the progressives seemingly wanting to one-up um, the current government you, you were making mention, and I'll leave the platform now for you to talk about this. You were making mention of the PR um, mechanism that government has in force. There's been a lot of criticism against this new government, even in these early days, as we're trying to give them the opportunity to do what they have to do. There has been a lot of criticism that they don't understand PR and that the people that they are using, aka GIS, um, 
press secretaries and whoever else are not savvy enough to get their message out there to the masses. So um, you go ahead and speak on that, honey. Well, as far as PR goes, you know, J.A. Banks is number one. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, so what they always say is whoever's first to market is, is, is who wins, right? So it's very interesting because people are expecting to get regular updates from government. And as I understand it, it, it is planned for the, for the new government to give regular updates. The problem is the other side knows that. And so the other side uses its PR machine to then preempt what the new government government might say at their press conference. And because they've preempted things, you know, saying things like, these are our recommendations for reopening um, and then saying things like I, I saw in a news article today talking about uh, shadow ministers on the opposition side, um, you know, congratulating the education department for the progress. And we didn't hear anything from the new government on, on education. So it's, it's a lot of political games that are being pay, played. And you have to understand what is the purpose of these games and if you look at the long game, the, 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 the long game is a likely vote of no confidence in the new government. The short game is, why don't we reduce the credibility of the new government? Why don't we make it look like they don't know what's going on? Why don't we make it look like they're not updating the public? Um, at all or not updated in public on a timely basis. So that's the short game. And that, that's the reason why you see all of these PR stunts taking place. Mm -hmm. I mean, e even an article I saw today referring to an opposition shadow minister, first of all, there's no such thing as a shadow minister. That was something made up. So if you look in the constitution, there's no shadow minister in the constitution. The mm -hmm. same way, the same way the word counselor was not in the constitution before. And when, when we raised the point publicly that counselor did not exist under the constitution, and so therefore we, we weren't we weren't clear why the word counselor be, was being used, mm -hmm. and people were getting extra pay for being counselor and it and it wasn't mm -hmm. in the constitution. It wasn't until later on um, when these guys went to seek amendments to the constitution in England mm -hmm. you know, in, in this last year of government that they created this thing called parliamentary secretary. Mm. So, so parliamentary secretary is in the constitution, but counselor was not in the constitution. So, wow. you know, that's why you have to pay attention. Exactly. And, um, so I, I think that, you know, the new government is taking its time to look at things properly before going to the public. I, mm -hmm. I think that's I think that's a prudent thing to do. That's the correct thing to do so that when you give out the information, you give it out after you've gotten enough information to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. The problem the problem is, I, I remember I remember someone saying to me, you know, when I was younger, 
you know, you know, you like Al Rick, you're so shy, you know. Um, mm-hmm. like if 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 you actually went and said hello to the girl, she would know that you speak English. <laughs> you know, so it's it's, yeah. it's actually it's important, even though a lot of things might be going on on the inside, even though you might be working hard on the inside, bringing your team together and planning uh, what you're going to say to the public and your timeline, et cetera, even though you're doing all those things internally, if the people don't know, then, you know, people are going to have feelings of uncertainty. They're not going to know what's going on. They're not going to feel like they're being engaged. And so what's, what's happening right now is that the the progressives is kind of beating the government at this game. The, the progressives has, you know, they have this machine, this PR machine, and you you may not like what they're saying, mm-hmm. and maybe some of what they're saying is misleading, but, you know, they, they have the public's attention. And so when you saw the progressives come out, you know, before the government press conference and made certain recommendations, that the nation saw that as, Someone is now communicating with us. Someone is now letting us know what a possible reopening plan could look like. And someone is letting us know certain things that we expected to hear from new, from the new government. But we have to also appreciate that the timing of the press conference of, of the progressives was obviously deliberately before the new government was going to have their press conference. But... It, it's a PR game and it's and it's a lot of it is who gets the information out there first because the feeling that some of us got in the public was that the new government was actually reacting to what the progressives said and the the new government should not put itself in that position. What should happen is the 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 valid and correct information should come from the new government. And it should be, things should be made known to us, you know, before we hear from the opposition. Because if we hear from the opposition and then we hear from you, then we have to figure out, you know, which one is the, is the valid information, which, which one is the correct information, you know, which one should we follow? And like I say, though, the short game here is let's reduce the credibility of this government. Let's talk about their inexperience Let, let's talk about uh them going to you know team building meetings and let's distract the public in a short term reduce their credibility reduce the likability and then in the long term what we'll do is we'll ask for a vote of no confidence because mm-hmm. is we, once we get the public to a point where the public doesn't feel a new government is credible it's possible that some other ministers might actually agree to the vote of no confidence, you know, six months from now or 12 months from now. So the whole PR thing is not just for PR sake. There is a strategy behind the PR. And it's, as, you can, as you can see, it's building, right? It's issue after issue. And it has people thinking. Now, of course, a, lo- a lot of KMIs are smarter than that. They know that this is also a game, but 
if you're too slow to react or if you're too slow to bring the information to the market first, then you're going to always be playing catch up. Mm -hmm. So that's the the one thing I would say is, um, you know, the new government should use CMR, you know, CMR is, is the top news source. And um, that, that is one way to, to keep the public informed on what is happening on a daily basis and what, what the plans are and what the, what the, um, what the true situation is. I mean, so that's my recommendation. Use CMR and <laughs> make sure you have the right PR and, and, and it gets out to the right people at the right time so that people are kept informed and people are kept safe, you know? So, um, yeah, step up, I would say step up the PR game, you know? And I, and I think that um, that sentiment has been echoed by numerous people um, across the island. You know, I've had people calling me and saying, Sandy, what's the new government doing? They're being too silent. And my position has been, um, you know, give them a minute. <laughs> like, I feel like they've just literally gotten in there. So give them a minute to um, to get it sorted out. And I know that they have been working very, very hard in the background. Like you said, they're a group of independents. So even these team building meetings that they have been engaging in are very important. Um, the progressives have had the benefit of being um, together for some eight years. So, you know, you can argue about their methodologies and whatever when you want. But one thing you cannot argue against is that they seem to have some sort of a very cohesive grouping. And in fact, that is why um, they ran the election on the platform of, oh, we are a group. We are a party. We know what we're doing because we've already decided who's going to do what, this, that, and the next thing. You know, the progressives are going to have to get in there and uh, sorry, the independents are have to are going to have to get in there and figure all of that out. So they were um, using the only real advantage that they had against the progress uh, against the independents, which is that they are not a unified group as yet. And so now it is very ironic that all of the efforts that they have been um, using to try to get unified is now being criticized by the progressives. Oh, why are you wasting time, for example, on team building exercises and going on these, um, what are they called, uh, retreats together, et cetera, et cetera. But that's important because the the independents have not as individuals um, necessarily worked together in any capacity in the past. So from an organizational perspective, um, people who've done organizational uh, leadership and management that's actually good. That makes sense to build that foundation. But of course, the opposition will try to criticize that foundation and look um, towards, you know, undermining the current government in any way that they can. Now, I, I obviously don't want to say that they have to come to CMR, but I mean, it's logical that if they're trying to use the people, and some people have said to me, but Sandy, they used you effectively during the campaign. So is there any real question um, as it relates to your reach within the community? And I say, well, I mean, I don't know. But um, I still think that they're also trying to figure all of that out because contrary to the rumors that were in circulation by the likes of Noel, uh, nobody on this end from CMR had been promised anything by the PAC uh, members 
we were certainly not promised um, a press secretary job or anything else of the sort. So I guess they're still figuring it out. But a lot of people, Alex, seem to agree with your sentiments. Um, so Sandra Miller says, so true, Alric. Louise said, uh, well said, Bobo. Uh, Liliana says, 100% right perspective, Mr. Alric. Put on their belt. Uh, Louisa Bodden also says, good point, Alric. Sue uh, says, Charmaine wisdom, I didn't, or my husband, I think. Okay, that's a different conversation. Um, but yes, I, I do think that you make some valid points that they need some sort of PR machinery to be able to disseminate their information. Now, why do you think that GIS and, um, you know, they're, they're government, obviously, but why do you think that that isn't enough of a PR machinery to get their message out there? Well, I was actually talking to my friend today in government about the stories about Caymanians um, applying for tourism jobs. And she was explaining to me that a lot is being done, but the problem is it's not getting to the right people because, for example, in tourism, the focus apparently has been on the overseas people and overseas visitors rather than trying to prop up you know, the local businesses that provide tourism, um, you know, amenities. So apparently, in, in the eyes of government, they're doing a lot. So they're disseminating information, they're having training, they're doing seminars, they're doing webinars. Apparently mm -hmm. all that has taken place. The problem is, for some reason, it's not making its way to the ordinary man on the street. And so that, that is a critical thing is that people want to feel included. They want to be informed and it's just not happening. So I think someone needs to look at what that, what, 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 what is the effectiveness of, mm -hmm. of the approaches that are currently taken. And I think people need to just put their pride, put their pride to the side. Mm -hmm. I mean, because they might be saying, you know, we work hard, we do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. but the thing is, if, if you are doing all these things and you're not taking on the fact that a lot of K-Mines are saying they don't know about what you're doing, then you, you, need, you need to do something else. So put your pride aside, do something else, you know, think about CMR, think about some other platform that reaches the public like CMR and has a wide range, has a wide network like like CMR, so that you're 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 getting people, you're making people aware of what's happening, and mm -hmm. you're, you're keeping them informed. So I think I think it's it's a matter of I think one of the things is really take a look at what 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 they're doing and asking themselves if effect if it's effective and whether they're willing to sort of think outside the box and mm -hmm. explore some alternatives that that's a question you know are they willing to do it you know and yeah if, so and this concept alec that perception is reality what do you what do you say about that um well i you know yes uh, of course you didn't have to verify of course yeah um, but it's, uh, it's important for them to if, if they're working hard, I think there are two things here. Um, if they're working hard and they're putting in the effort, no one's going to know that 
if they don't tell the people that, you know what I mean? So um, they have to understand that if people perceive them to be quiet, that perception in the minds of most people means, oh, if you're overly quiet as a government, that means you're not doing anything, you're not getting anything done. That's the perception when you're overly quiet as a government. And so you need to get out there and be prepared to toot your own horn a little bit and to let the people know uh, what you're actually doing behind the, the back, the scenes, behind the scenes. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons that Mall Road is that that successful because the minute something happens, all of us know about it. I mean, like, and it's important because if there's an accident, it's not, not just knowing about the accident and, and, and that people are safe, but also then if we know about it, then we can make plans to take another route. So you see the information that CMR gives up to date right now, it actually gives you a some time to plan and think about your alternatives, you know, so you can get to your destination. Um, if, if you have a deadline to meet, you can get there on time, but you only, you only able to do that because you had that information on time from mm -hmm. CMR when it was happening. So uh, that's why I think it's so important. Pride is, pride is a big thing, you know, so some people may want to say, you know, they don't like the format of CMR and or, or they don't like Sandra. But mm -hmm. that's that's not really the point. The point is what is the reach of CMR and what is the effectiveness? And it is effective in in, in there's a wide audience. So why not use it, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting points for sure. Um so Jonathan says, you know what I think the new government needs to do? I think they need to figure out how to increase the value of our dollars because inflation of products in Cayman is really what's killing us. Anyone see the prices of wood? Um, I hope government has plans to stock up for this hurricane season because the people is going to need it for free. Kathy says you got that right. I'm not sure if she's referring to Alric or Jonathan, but um, Liliana says right perspective, different faces, but same story. Pack took some Judas's in their circle um, which will keep down progress. Interesting. Uh, Magdalena says, think outside of the box to open the borders is right because they're too busy looking at what other countries are doing. Um, what do you think about this approach of, of not paying attention to what other countries are doing? That sounds like that's disastrous because other countries are opening the borders and they're regretting it. So is it not important to try to learn from what other countries are doing? Yeah, I think it's, it is important to to see what people are doing overseas and what they're getting right and what they're getting wrong. But at the same time, we also have to appreciate that we may have a different tourism product than some of these other places. And we may have, you know, we, we're in a different region than some of those other countries. And they may be a different level of risk in our immediate area or with the type of tourists that we're bringing in and where they're coming from. So yes, let's pay attention to what other places are doing. Let's understand what works and what doesn't work. But at the same time, let's also focus on what we think is in our best interest to keep our people safe. Mm -hmm. 
Because unfortunately, there has been no example of any country that has opened successfully that hasn't had to shut back down. So when you say, don't look at what other countries are doing, I think that that sends um, a very clear message. Um, in fact, now, Alric is a busy man. So we know that he's got uh, things to do coming up for 930. So we're going to go ahead and just take a few more comments. So Peter Smith says, one of the problems of getting Caymanians to participate in this government-sponsored employment effort is that Caymanians do not trust employers to actually um, intend to train and hire them. Sue um, is talking about hotel jobs. So this is going off just a little bit. Um, but I want to say um, that we're going to pick up on that topic next week because I saw the post from the Wharf um, and Grandel House, and I think it's something that we have to address um, Liliana says, I didn't hear Donna give any other reporter time for their questions, only CMR. <laughs> Liliana, yeah. you must not have been listening to the press conference. Uh, let me invite you to go back and listen to the press conference because every other media house got more time than CMR because we were, in fact, the last ones to come up. And by then, everybody was sick of the media questions. Regimen must have asked like five or six questions. Wendy asked so many questions that she was told to go sit down. So, honey, child, I don't know what press conference you were watching, but I will send you the link again, and I would invite you to view it again because everybody went before us, so you must have watched the tail end of it. So it was Caymanian Times first. He asked whatever questions he had. Then Wendy, she had an entire notebook full of questions, some not directly related to COVID, and they had told us beforehand that they only want COVID-related questions because that's what the press conference was actually about. And then um, you had uh, Rejma from The Compass, who likewise had a plethora of questions. So Liliana, are you sure you're watching the right press conference, honey? Because that is so far from the truth that I don't even know what you're talking about right now. Uh, Ms. Velma Hewitt is joining us. She said, it isn't rocket science. Why the progressives had a press release before the PAC government was to undermine um, and throw shade. So seeds of doubt of their capabilities. It now becomes the premier and deputy premier and cabinet to step up their game um, or they're unwittingly giving the opposition the weapons to bring a, no vote, a vote of no confidence to remove them or remove them in four years. The PAC government can't now say that the progressives hasn't shown them their cards. Now let's just see how they change their communications and unfortunately it gets cut off there. But what I, um, oh, to, to behold the premier. Yeah, what I would say um, is that um, in relation to what uh, Ms. Velma is saying, again, right on point, I think, in my opinion, in regards to what the progressives is trying to do. And here's the bottom line, folks. A lot of people don't know this. But if you think that Alden has given up the idea that the progressives can still take this government, um, then no, that, that hasn't happened. None at all. He is still working behind the scenes and there are still rumors afoot. Now, this sounds crazy, folks, but I'm just telling you what's out there in the streets, what's being talked in the mall road. There are still rumors afoot that he intends to continually try to break this government apart. And he is still in talks with uh, members of this government to see who he can pick off. So we know flip-flopping Jude Judasaya um, is ready to go back to the progressives at any time. She's still a progressives member. So she would be a guaranteed uh, member to flip 
and they're still talking to other people. So uh, uh, this government has got to stick together and they've got to be on their P's and Q's at all times. And Natasha says, don't engage with Liliana. She has an issue with you, but still coming on CMR like a moth to a flame. Okay. Yes, I was the last one to ask questions, but your comment that um, Donna didn't give any other reporter time for their questions, but me is ridiculous. Because I asked the least number of questions and I was the quickest. So I don't know what you're talking about, honey. Uh, Luis says the problem is 50% of our people depend on tourism and the tourist business depends on dying. Okay. Alwick, thank you so much for joining the program. I know you've got work to do. You got bills to pay. So you got to get out there and do your hustle. Uh, we appreciate you. Can we talk about some employment, especially in the hotel and tourism sector next week? And uh, maybe look at that, um, that thing that the Grando House and um, what's the other one called? Grandel House and the Wharf actually posted on social media. Yeah, I mean that that would be an excellent show because uh, I think I think both sides of the story needs to be told because I think um, well I know the chef at the war at the Wharf, Christian, a pretty good guy, you know. So I know he he makes an effort. Um, so there are probably two sides of the story. There is probably a situation where you know there are people like Christian who. Who are really trying and you know the response he's getting is not the best response mm -hmm. but also there are situations out there in the industry where Caymanians are qualified Caymanians mm -hmm. are willing to work they are hard working they do what's necessary but they get discouraged by the managers and owners of those companies so there are two sides of the story mm -hmm. and I think that um I think this would be an excellent show next week if we, we pick it up. Um, yeah. But um, I, I, I shared on the screen um, what the Constitution says about the vote of no confidence. So um, it's just so everyone understands that um, all opposition has to do is to get two-thirds vote of mm -hmm. the elected members. And part of that strategy is the short, like I said, the short game is to reduce the credibility of the government. Mm -hmm. And the long game is to have this vote of no confidence done. So I've shared what the Constitution says about vote of no confidence. Mm -hmm. All you need is two thirds of the elect elected members and you got mm -hmm. it. And one way to do it, do the negative press. Mm -hmm. Second way to do it, talk to some of the guys in the new government and say, you should really come over here. You should really come over here. And you never know. Um, so if you have those two things working for you, it's possible that the long game, it, it may be a board of no confidence that the progressives actually try. So, mm -hmm. mm -mm -mm. what a hot mess. Politics, this is a time now we need to bust out your song again about <laughs> politics, Alric, because clearly that song remains very relevant even post election. The politics just doesn't stop, um, and the progressives will, will continue to do what they uh, can in order to not help the government, not help the people of the Cayman Islands necessarily, but um, you know, want us to believe that they're the only ones qualified to do the job. For Jonathan's part, he says, the new government got two years to show me change or else I'm going to start uh, running at my mouth about my G3 campaign, gambling, ganja, and go-go girls and guys, 2025. Jonathan, mess with you. Alric, happy Father's Day when it comes on Sunday. 
and uh, have yourself a beautiful and safe weekend. Yeah, thanks. And uh, have a good weekend. All right, Alex off to earn some coins, folks. Jonathan, you crack me up. Miranda says both the wharf and the Grando house don't hire much commandants, only dishwashers. I don't know. Well, we're going to talk about that next week. Like I said, they have posted something on social media that is definitely um, worth addressing. Uh, so we'll get into that um, next week. Tuesday, I think Alex should be on the program. This week was a little bit off because I think of the public holiday. Now, listen to this hot mess. Uh, speaking of um, CMR bringing you um, breaking, you know, things as they happen, I've got to share this one with you because this is so incredibly um, interesting for more reasons than one. But apparently a man was having a disagreement with his girlfriend this morning on the public roads. And um, he decided to take drastic actions in relation to the, um, Kathy says for real, Jonathan, he decided to take drastic actions in relation to how he was going to respond to the accident. So give me one second. I'm just waiting for this to be loaded up. It's a little bit humorous, to be honest. Um, the phone's taking like a really long time to send the file. Eh. Okay, let me cancel that method. Hold on one second. I know how to get it quicker. Just send it through WhatsApp. Sometimes I have to WhatsApp myself something because otherwise it takes forever. But this is kind of funny. Okay, so exclusive um, bits of CMR news for you this morning as well. So we did tell you at the beginning of the program that we have it on good authority that um, someone is actually being um, detained in a potential uh, as a murder arrest. And our sources also indicate that the person should be appearing in court this morning. So we are trying to get some additional information on that. What that would normally mean for those of you who are still um, understanding the court system is that they are at a position where they're probably going to charge the person today. So they've arrested them right away and charged them right away, which means that hopefully they've got their ducks in the, in the row in terms of what they will claim is the prosecution case. So very, very interesting development. Remember yesterday morning on the show, I mentioned that we were getting a lot of messages that there was a helicopter up in Logwood, but we didn't know what was going on and we didn't get any indication until much later on in, in the day of um, what was potentially happening. So let's have a look at this video. Look at what this man decided to do this morning after having a disagreement with his girlfriend.
All right, folks. Um, I, I don't know, boy. I don't know. Um, that's a hot mess. And then some is all I can say. Um, oh, wait, I think I put the wrong. Hold on. I think I added the wrong two videos together. You know, I think I put the wrong ones together. There's another one of him, actually. Um, let me see what I've done here. I might have to update this video. Yes, child, because this man, he looked like he was having a little bit too much fun. So, um, yes, honey child, th this man is um, having himself a good little time. Uh, he got upset and he decided that he was going to express his um, desire, I guess, to not have the girlfriend leave him by getting on top of the hood of the car. Woo, Cayman is not a real place some days, I'm telling you, straight up. That's legit crazy. No, girl, he was not sunbathing. Renita's like, what is this man? Why is this man acting like a spoiled child having a tantrum? I'm not even sure a child would have done that. Oh, I see what I've done. I've actually clipped the wrong video. Hold on. Let me put the right ones together. There's one that's a little bit more of a closer up of him. Yes, child, what a hot mess. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. I don't know what to say, except Jesus, do your thing and take the wheel, take the bus, take the hood of the car, take everything. Irvlin said, what in the name of Jesus is happening? Miranda says, uh, sometimes I'm sorry, not sorry, COVID came. It flushes out a lot of discrimination against Caymanians. Interesting point. Um, yes, um, <laughs> Uh, Miss Sue says, yes, spoiled child, OMG. Marshall says, that's crazy. I hope she slapped him. Well, hopefully not, because that would be assault. Um, but she might want to rethink that relationship. I tell you what, if that is the best that he has, um, as an adult, I got to tell you, I would be like, honey, child, you need to keep it moving. You stay on the top of the hood of the car and don't come back. You know what I'm saying? Don't come back. No more, no more, no more. Um, Louis says, what the hell? Is he protesting or what? And Diana says, leave the man alone. He is just chilling in morning traffic on a public road. Uh, apparently what we didn't see is after he started, after this person was filming, he, and they, he noticed that he was being captured on film. Then he got um, upset. And he started cussing and carrying on at the person who was filming and cussing and carrying on at the woman driver. So this person was actually concerned about the safety of um, the female driver and inquired if she needed any assistance, if you know they wanted her to actually contact the police because um, he is acting a little crazy. So Jonathan, that's as much as we know. I don't know what the argument was about. Um, Joy says, childish act, go call a cop to take him off for a proper sunbathing. Moya says, I guess it was getting heated. So he said he wanted to uh, let me cool off quick, quick. Jamelia, that's what I would say. What a hot mess. Mm -mm -mm. Another, <laughs> Irvlin says, another Lovella syndrome. Oh my goodness. Uh, Renita suspects that the heat is getting to people, something getting to them. Um, Jonathan shares that bad relationship issues make people do the craziest things. 
At least blows was an exchange. Well, hopefully not. That's for sure. Um, uh, Marshall says it looks like he was trying to take hood. <laughs> Y'all are crazy. Um, have a great weekend, CE Banks. Yes, indeed. Happy Father's Day to all. Um, Island fever, sending people crazy. Child, I don't know what it is, but anyway. Um, yeah, so maybe he was, maybe that was his way of just trying to cool off. He's just going to lie on top of the hood of the car. Uh, Miranda says, Sandy, no matter how sad I am, you make me laugh. Thank God you're here. Well, thank you so much. Um, yesterday I went to Thai Orchid for lunch and somebody said to me, I don't even know what show they were referring to, but they're like, girl, some days they said their wife was watching something. And they were like, I had to take the phone from her because they're like, honestly, you really are legit funny. I don't, I'm not even trying to be funny. I guess it's just a quirky part of my personality. But, um, you know, I also believe that what's life without a little bit of humor? I mean, we get so depressed and upset about everything. But yes, honey child, even in the most stressful moments, we got to find a little bit of solace and humor. Um, that's why I like Alric. Alric is very, he's a jokester, you know. Um, he takes things uh, in a very lighthearted way and that has probably served him extremely well in life because, you know, you can't let all this stress get to you. Trust me. It's just too much some days. So why not make you laugh, Miranda? I'm glad we can make you smile and chuckle, um, regardless. So happy father's day. Uh, those of you who still have your fathers in your life, please appreciate them. Uh, one of my favorite songs, um, is dance, uh, I think it's Dance With My Father um, by, uh, who sung that again? Hold on. That was Luther Vandross. Um, Luther's passed away, right? Yes, I think he's passed away. But that's a beautiful song. Definitely one of my favorites. It came out in 2003, Dance With My Father. And, um, you know, it's really about the fact that, unfortunately, at some point, all of us will have parents that um, will pass away. And so if you've had that, like me, my father has passed on, um, you don't ever get the opportunity to have another dance with your father or to have another moment with your father. So for those of you who still have good fathers in particular in your lives, um, please, you know, celebrate them this weekend, appreciate them, love them as much as you do um, your mothers, because fathers are important. A lot of people try to just talk about mommy all the time and I get mommy's rule. And, um, you know, the fact that the mother, yes, carried you, but, um, you know, fathers contributed too. And believe me, um, when I tell you that when a father plays the best role in the lives of his children, which is being present and being there and being a good example and a good role model, um, you know, fathers in terms of, um, uh, you know, not just providing financially, but being there as emotional support for the, for the family, teaching young girls how to love and how to be loved properly is one of the most important things, building their self-esteem, treating their mothers right. Those are some of the important roles that fathers play um, in the lives of people. And so that cannot be underestimated by no stretch of the imagination. So thank you to all the good fathers 
who do the right thing, do it the right way. We appreciate and love you guys so much. So Louis says, thank you very much. Even the women that play the role of a dad, yes, happy Father's Day to them as well, because unfortunately there are some women who have to do both. And if you are a deadbeat father out there, you know who you are, um, consider doing better. You can always change. You can always be more involved in the lives of your children. There's always hope um, to build that relationship. It doesn't have to be a relationship with the mother and we don't have to go into all that drama, but just reach out to your children. Yeah, be there for them. Call them, take them out for ice cream, take them out somewhere, talk to them. P provide financial support too, because financial support is also super important. Everybody got to eat, including your children, honey. And men, just because you can have 10, 15, 20 children doesn't mean that you should. Okay. Wrap it up. Don't have so many children because you can't afford them in this day and age. You can barely afford two. All right, Ms. Valda. She says, sometimes when the couple breaks up, uh, some women do not allow the fathers to have a good relationship. Uh, women, if that applies to you, get, get it together. Folks, have a beautiful and safe weekend. Please, 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 I am begging you, drive safely. It sounds so easy. We have so few roads, but y'all be crazy, drinking and driving and doing the most. So take your time on the roadway, folks, and um, you'll be safe for everybody when you do that. So have a good one, and I'll see you guys on Monday. Oh, by the way, don't forget, we're going to be live streaming tonight, 5 to 7, the um, COVID uh, drive, the giveaway, they're pulling like over a hundred um, different prizes. So tune in for that. If you entered the draw, uh, your name might be called. So you wanna hear what you want. So tune in for that this evening. Until then, bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.